This is Grind Season. I'm Jason Smith, one of your co-hosts here on the Grind Season podcast on Odyssey, co-host of the Jason and John Midday Radio Show right here in Memphis, Tennessee. That's on weekdays from 11 to 2 on 92.9 FM ESPN. You can follow me on Twitter at and on Instagram at Jason Smith 929 This is my guy, Anthony Sane, the tribal chief of Grizz Twitter, man who's covered the Grizz for the last decade in written radio podcast form. If you follow or you are a fan of the Memphis Grizzlies, you need to be following Anthony Sane. You can follow him on Twitter at Sane Asylum. Brother Sane, what's going on? Man, what it do? Everything is good, man. How you doing, Jason Smith? Pretty good, pretty good. Coming off of a, an eventful weekend, to say the least, but uh, certainly better with the Grizzlies now having into that five-game game losing streak. We will get to that. First things first, you can hear us uh, in the Grind Season podcast twice per week on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify. Just search for Grind Season. That's season, S-Z-N. Do us a solid, like we say, by pushing that subscribe button. Thank you very much. On this edition of Grind Season, our 25th episode, Finally, like we said, uh, after that losing streak had been extended to five games with that loss at Minnesota on Friday, the Grizzlies ended on Sunday with a 112-100 win over Indiana. Had to come back from down 19 points in that game. Uh, John Morant, triple-double. Jaron Jackson, big game, 28 points, five blocks. Uh, we're going to ask Sane, what, what did we learn, if anything, from the Grizzlies' five-game losing streak? And maybe looking ahead, what we should expect from this team you know, from a win-loss perspective, with it's five of their final seven games at home before the All-Star break. And Grizzlies have been a completely different team at home, 21-3, best record in the NBA than they have been on the road, obviously. Five of the seven before the All-Star break at home. Well, last saying, sort of looking back on what we've learned and what we expect going forward. Remember, Danny Green expected to make his debut on Wednesday against Portland. Secondly, a much heavier topic, obviously, but one we have uh, – We've been discussing on my radio show and all over Memphis all this weekend, mm-hmm. uh, the death of Tyree Nichols at the hands of police this month, made national headlines, was on the minds, obviously, of Grizzlies coaches, players of the weekend. Taylor Jenkins spoke on it, several NBA teams, including the Grizzlies, uh, denounced police brutality, uh, spoke on it as well. Uh, it, it's clearly something that was looming over Memphis over the weekend is that video of his uh, January beating and subsequently, you know, died three days later. I believe that beating was on January 7th. Video came out Friday, really just minutes before the Grizzlies took the court against Minnesota. They had a moment of silence in that game. I'm going to talk to Sane just about uh, the, the mood here in Memphis, how we go forward, uh, looking back on on that story and and sort of how we move forward from from that. And finally, we'll do uh, the at the segment that we do to start the week every week. Who brought the seasoning? Where we discuss who's looked good, who brought that good season into the pot, and in some cases, you know, who's been bad serving up that uh some of that bad stuff. So that's the show. Uh, but like we said, saying we'll start here. Grizzlies split a pair of games since we last spoke. Lost to Minnesota. Come back, get the win against Indiana at home on Sunday in that five-game losing streak. Got to go back a couple of years. Last time they lost five in a row. Uh, we said trail by as many as nineteen against Indiana. Uh, comeback, largest comeback victory of the season. John Morant, spectacular triple-double. Jaron Jackson got a lot of shots, made a lot of shots in that game. Uh, saying how much of a relief was it to get the win? And I'm not going to sit up here and ask you if the Grizzlies have got things fixed because we know you don't fix things in one game. But how much better are you feeling about where they're at uh, now that they're off that road and have got a win back underneath their uh, underneath their wing? 
It's it's a big deal, man. If you'd have lost this sixth straight game, especially losing it back at home, Indiana team that's still not full strength, uh, we would have had a really gloomy conversation today. But yeah, winning that game, especially like you said, coming back down 19 was a necessary win uh, to come back home. Like you said, seven games left into the All Star break. Uh, way to you still you still can you know make make heat in this next seven games. You can really you know kind of gain some ground on Denver. And some separation between teams like you and Sacramento. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a nice stretch of games. You got some winnable games in here. You got some games that you're, you're you might not be favored in, but um, yeah, it, it really is really good to come back and get that win. To look kind of like themselves again. To see John and Jaron, uh, and every time John and Jaron have a good game at the same time, big games at the same time, all the old videos come out of when they were you know nineteen year olds on the team. All the all the old stuff comes out you know with them when they were. Um, young rookies on his team, rookies and sophomore on his team. Um, so anytime you see those two guys have a big game together at the same time, it's always good. And it kind of proves that theory, man. If you've got those two star players, you're going to be a good team. And when your two stars were, were stars of the night against Indiana, you saw just with just that alone, with no Desmond Bain, no Steven Adams, Dylan Brooks didn't have a good game. Zaire Williams, you know, he, he was, you know, he was fine. He was decent. But just those two guys alone having two monster games was enough for you to beat an Indiana team. So, that's that's one piece of optimism I definitely uh, pulled for that game. You know, saying I was encouraged too, and we talked to Sharon Brown, the Grizzlies beat writer for the Memphis Flyer last week. That you know, at the number of shots that Jaron got in that mm -hmm. game, nineteen of them, we had talked about with Stephen Adams being out, that maybe it could be a you know sort of a, a, a it would force Taylor Jenkins' hand in terms of making sure mm -hmm. right that you're getting Jaron Jackson more involved offensively. He was nineteen. Uh, 19 shots, he takes eight of them for three, makes three of those. But uh, I'm with you, man. As long as you've got those two, you're going to be in most games, especially against mm -hmm. mediocre competition. But saying, can, can we keep him involved in that way? Do you, you know what I'm saying? Hopefully yeah. this absence of Stephen Adams for whatever happened, for however long it is, three to five weeks, whatever it is, can get them in a in a flow. Saying, it's like we talked about before the season. Wanting to see that two-man game be between Jai and – and Jaron, and you saw the beginning of that game. I know that video's out there. Jaron, first thing he did, post up, and Jaws throwing it into him. Maybe mm -hmm. this forces, you know, th this team to have to look more to Jaron as, you know, it gets them in that habit, saying, of looking to him more as that second scoring option. Like, I, I yeah. you know, whether he's second or third, whether it's Bain or him, I just think he, you have to get him getting 15 to 19 to 20 shots on a nightly yeah. basis. I think that's a formula that works with the way he's playing right yeah. now. It should be regardless if, if Desmond Bain is playing where he's playing well, but he's playing bad. Um, I think you should always start the game getting Jaron. Mm -hmm. There's some things about basketball that just work, man. Throwing it to the tall, the tall guy works. You know what I mean? So um, getting Jaron going, I think, would be crucial to open up so many things. It'll open up uh, more perimeter shots, open up some lanes for, for John Moran as well. Because Jaron's one of those guys that can bounce in and out, can score from inside, outside, and uh, in between, you know, off the dribble. So um, I think it's very important to get him going, to get his confidence going. I don't think it was a coincidence in a game where he had almost 30 points that he had five blocks as well. Yep. Um, if I think if you get him going offensively, it makes him a lot more alert on defense. I'm not sure of his foul totals uh, from last night, but, you know, he didn't foul out or anything. He played a lot of minutes. So uh, I think that I think those things probably go together, man. You know, you'd be surprised what combinations can get a guy going. And I think starting Jaron uh, off, it's the focal point of the offense gets them going all throughout the game. Yep, just just four fouls to your point, and that was in 38 minutes. That was the other point about that game. You saw Taylor Jenkins 
not pull John Moran out in the second half. John John played all those minutes, all 24, and what amounted to a 42-minute game. Jaron played 38. Like you could tell they were ready, mm-hmm. Taylor was ready to get that streak over with, you yeah. know, in that in that Indiana game. They treated that game much more, you know, much more importantly than you normally would. You seeing Jai out there for the entire second half. They were trying to end it right there. So you saw yeah. you saw how critical they thought it was to get that win, especially after trailing by 19 in the first half. And you seeing more of the same. Uh, the lulls that you saw during that five-game losing streak. Mm-hmm. So that, that was good to see. Looking forward, before we go through the, the seven games they've got coming up, five of them again at home before the All-Star break. We know Portland's coming up on Wednesday. Danny Green, you know, mm-hmm. highly anticipated and addition, expected addition, you know, come this Wednesday. What's uh, – I know we've asked this this question in some form or fashion, but we are right up on his uh, his debut. What you think? Is, is your confidence high? Do you expect a slow work in? Should we keep expectations low to start? Uh, what you thinking on Danny Green come Wednesday? Um, hear a lot of people getting excited about it. I'm personally excited about it to see Danny out there. I just think there's one thing that we're not that we're kind of ruling out. And a lot of fans and media as well are, mo- are kind of ruling out. People were talking about the seven games that got left into the trade deadline, and they look at Danny coming back, the rehab time the Grizzlies put into him, uh, the time that he's you know put the work in, and seeing him come back and play. People are like, well, you know, you get to see, we're going to see what Danny Green is, and he's coming back early. We don't know if this is for us or not. These seven right. games could be for another team to see Danny Green who may want to use him as an actual piece in a trade. I'm not saying that's something that's happening, anything I'm hearing, but just because we see Danny Green playing doesn't mean that he's going to be a Grizzly after the trade deadline uh, coming up in a week or so. Um, I would love to see him be a part of this team. I want to see anybody that can – there's a line. There's a line uh, in, in the half court where the baskets count for three, Jason Smith. Uh, here lately, we haven't made a lot of those shots. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that can make those. I, yep. I know that sounds like a fable at this point, a myth or something, but there's this guy, Danny Green. I believe he can knock some of those shots down. And if he's able to knock those down, he definitely will help this team. Um, going back to you know this five-game winning streak, one part of that streak that I think has been pretty bad is our games without Steven Adams, where he's not out there grabbing uh, offensive rebounds, covering up a lot of the messes. Uh, and the misses that we have uh, out there in the half court. And I think that um, a guy like Danny Green can make things a lot easier for everyone, um, especially if he's especially if he's uh, able to defend as well. If he can defend and knock down threes at a decent level, you're talking about a guy who could really add to this team. He's, this team needs it. There's no one on this team who's shooting the ball well right now outside of Desmond Bain. And when Bain's not available, you don't have anything. And your, your, your reserve wings, your Zaya Williams, your John Conchar, those guys just haven't been able to answer the bell a lot this year. And I think that a guy like Danny Green, if he's able to be some version of what you saw, you know, just last year in the playoffs, he's a guy that can really add a lot to this team. I'm with you on that. Are you, are you, uh, are you still as eager to do something before yes. the deadline as you yeah. were last week? Okay. I have, I have zero confidence in our wings and it's really frustrating, man, because this win streak is just kind of, made our fans get kind of weird because it's like all of a sudden people are talking, oh, man, we're so ahead of ourselves and, you know, they're, they're trying to develop for the future. I'm like, man, we're fucking the best team. We're one of the best teams in the NBA, bro. Why are we talking about, like, this season don't count or something? Like, why are we not speaking like this is a team that can win the entire championship? And it gets, it's frustrating to see fans kind of shifting their gears midstream. If, if you're a top two, not if you're a top four team in your conference, 
an NBA championship should be something you're you're striving for, something that's one of your goals that you feel like is realistic. If you're number two, and not just number two in the West, but one of the better records in the entire NBA, you should be striving for a championship. And I think that so much of what we're doing, like we talked about last week when we did uh, Mythbusters, we're trying to be a good team and develop at the same time. And I'm watching the game yesterday. I know it's because Desmond Bain is out. I know it's because John Conchar had an injury. But you're looking at uh, Jake LaRavia and David Roddy playing at the same time. They were fine. You know, they didn't really bring you a lot. We need something to show up the back of this bench. And, and and I think it needs to happen pretty soon. And whether you're me, who's a guy who's willing to trade a Dylan Brooks to get a bigger piece or whatever you – somebody he's on the player in the starting line that I would trade. If you're, you're talking about trading a guy like that, either something like that or something smaller, something around the edges that just shores up your bench. I think something needs to happen, man. I, I think if you go let the deadline slide by and all you do is get Danny Green and whatever version of him, whatever version of his knee that you're getting back, um, I think you can end up regretting that when it comes down to the playoffs, when you got guys that simply aren't ready, man. And I think guys like Zaire Williams, John Conchar, even guys like, especially guys like David Roddy, just won't be ready come playoff time. Um, Seven, like we said before, the All-Star break, starting Wednesday, saying with Portland. Then you go uh, one of the two row games in that stretch is at Cleveland, a game that was super That's tight. Yep. Yeah, should be. Cleveland certainly feel like they owe you after uh, – Brooks gets the block there at the end of that game to win it. Then you you get Toronto, Chicago, Minnesota all at home where you've won eight in a row and you've got the best record in the league. Then you're at Boston, uh, again, another tough one. Then you've got Utah at the house before the All-Star break. So, again, Portland at Cleveland, Toronto, Chicago, Minnesota at the house, at Boston, Utah to close it out at home. Again, five of those seven at home. What's uh, what's fair to expect? What can can they can they can they get hot before the All Star break? Is that is that asking a lot with Stephen Adams being out? If you can find a way to, I think the Portland game is very winnable uh, Wednesday. I think if you can find a way to get past that Cleveland game, mm-hmm. and then you're looking at maybe a four, maybe five game winning streak, you know, closing that out of Minnesota, it makes that Boston game look really sexy. ABC um, game too, ABC yeah. National TV game on a Sunday afternoon. It makes that game really sexy if you can pull off, you know, five in a row against Boston. And then, of course, you get Utah in your final game. Um, if You need to get five out of those seven, which means you're going to have to either beat um, – yeah, you need to get five out of those seven for sure, man. And, and that means you're going to have to – you're going to take care of business against Minnesota. Minnesota's beating you two games in a row. Um, you got to you got to take care of business against them for sure. A team that's you know one of your rivals, five and seven would look real good out of this next seven for sure. And I think yeah. that's very realistic. I think it is too, especially considering what this team has done at home, mm-hmm. one and three. Uh, they could they could very well win all those games at home, mm-hmm. having won the eight straight that they have. They that's where I mean Memphis's role players have played better at home, and it you know it just it's usually a rule in the NBA, and it's certainly been the case. Uh, it's been the case for the Grizzlies, no question about it. So they'll pick back up action again uh, Wednesday against Portland. I believe that's an early tip, yeah, 6 p.m. tip. Uh, so we'll be talking about that when we get back in here later on in the week. Okay, you're listening to the Grind Season Podcast with Anthony Sain and yours truly, Jason Smith. Be sure to download us on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. That includes Spotify. Hit that subscribe button. Help a couple of brothers out. That brings us to topic number two, Sain, on Friday – 
it was the Grizzlies taking the court in Minnesota just minutes after video footage had been released of 29-year-old Tyree Nichols, Memphis and Tyree Nichols being beaten to death by Memphis police officers. That video had been promised for over a week, going on two weeks. And so the anticipation for it was pretty high. I've been warned by uh, lawyers for the Nichols family, by Nichols family uh, themselves, that this video would be heinous. Uh, ben Crump, uh, the attorney for the family, compared it to the Rodney King beating, uh, and it was uh, everything that they had said about it. Uh, we bring it back to the conversation here because, like we said, that footage came out just moments before the Grizzlies played Minnesota. There was a moment of silence before that game. Taylor Jenkins came out and spoke very eloquently about how he was feeling, how the team was feeling, heavy-hearted uh, in the wake of this news. Um, again, six officers now have been fired, five of them charged with second-degree uh, murder. Uh, Grizzlies weren't the only team to make a statement. Several teams across the league made a statement, obviously denouncing police brutality, saying we got to do something, which we know uh, that we do. Saying now that we've gotten through the weekend, and uh, again, that included a Grizzlies win on Sunday after this moment of silence on Friday. Just where you sort of at with the whole thing? I remember talking to you on the show on mm -hmm. Friday on our radio show, asking you if you were going to uh, watch the video, everything else. Um, have you seen it? Where are you on this? Um, mm -hmm. And then and then what's next? Like what? do? Uh, it's a huge question. It's a broad question saying. But in terms of Memphis moving forward, what's the most important thing? Very uh, layered question there, but man, get us into yeah, it. I got you. Man for the I job. Got um, I look at it like this, Jackson. Oftentimes, you hear things like sports are supposed to be an escape, and I'm sure there are people who listen to this particular segment of the show and like, man, I can't avoid this stuff for anything. Like, I I didn't come here for this or uh, these type of things. And I think that in the world that we live in, it's time out for escapes. You shouldn't be trying to escape from anything. These are things that need to be addressed head on. Mm -hmm. um, on our basketball team, there are several young men that are under the age of 25 that are all very young men. Every every player on this team, I believe, is younger than Tyree Nichols, including Steven. Um, Danny Green might be younger than Tyree Nichols, if I'm not mistaken. They're probably about the same age. But the point I'm trying to make is these guys on this team – could be affected by these type of things. You know what I mean? And it's a sad situation when people who are paid to serve and protect are the people that you can't trust in this situation. And when I came on your show, I told you I had no interest in watching the video. Uh, when I came on the Jason and John show, I said I really didn't have any interest in watching it. Um, something like literally pulled me out of the bed that night. And I watched it. I watched it in its entirety. I watched probably about an hour of video. Um, and it's strange, man, because we've been so desensitized by this type of stuff from things we see in movies and street fights or, you know, world star. You know, there's different things that you see that just kind of desensitize you to someone getting punched in the face or kicked or stomped or, you know, beat within the inch of their lives that, um, you know, it was definitely a gruesome video to watch. It just makes you wonder, like, should I be this? Should I be able to watch this and not be terrified or not be crying or not be whatever? Uh, it was a horrible video to watch. As a parent, it bothered me. As a black man, it bothered me. Um, I'm watching. I'm like, okay, I'm counting more heads in this video than five. And I'm seeing people yeah. like, okay, where is this guy? At? You know what I mean? Like, why isn't this guy locked up? And then we're, pro we're retroactively, you know, uh, arresting people after the fact. And I just see so many people. 
uh, at fault. I see so many people that have dropped the ball on this. So much a lack of account accountability, lack of uh, compassion. Um, and it's really sad, man, especially that these people were able to do this in front of people's houses, man. I don't, I don't know if you've seen the video or not, but they're doing this in the neighborhood in front of people's houses. A hundred yards no, away from his yeah. mom's house, man. Right. No no one's street lights, no one's porch light came on. Nobody came outside to see what, you know, say what's going on. I mean, but who do you call? The police? You know what I mean? <laughs> you're, you're watching the police do this. I mean, who do you call? And, and it's a sad situation. Um, it's not a Memphis problem. It's it's a problem that's going on across the country that you see in, in literally any city that has a high population of black people where you see people being executed, man. It's, that's That's what it is. Um, and it's, it's sad. And you hear people, their comments are, you know, uh, comply or die, or, you know, if he just complied or more, just more black on black crime, uh, just all these type of things you're hearing. And, and I'll just say that, man, a police officer's job is to bring people to justice. It's not to be the judge, jury, and definitely not the executioner. They don't have the right to give someone a death penalty verdict at all, regardless of what they do. And there were so many situations in that video where um, you could see, okay, yeah, that's the point where they could have stopped it. Oh, there's another point where they could have stopped this. Oh, they really had him down at that point. They could have ended the night right there. But they continue to uh, beat this man, not within an inch of his life, not damn near to death. They literally killed this man um, in front of the world. And um, I hope that everyone involved comes to justice. I hope that the people who came in, at the end and witnessed this man beat within an inch of his life and had no sense of urgency to get this man carried away who didn't go off on these officers like what the hell did y'all just do i hope everyone who was in eyes witness of this outside of the of the of the people in the neighborhood were probably were scared within an inch of their life to do anything to to respond in any type of way i think that everyone involved should should uh should go to jail and serve serious time with this um seeing people say that our players may be affected by this i don't know I'm, I'm not going to blame the losing streak on this at all. It could be. I don't know. I don't I, I don't know these guys. I don't know what they're going through. Um, I'm a 43-year-old man who I can say how I would react to something if I was pulled over by the police, but I don't know. But Mr. Nichols seemed like he was extremely terrified, you know what I mean, when he got pulled over. Um, I've talked to police officers who said this is wrong. Like, that's not the way they were supposed to do this. You know what I mean? Like, this, it was like, it's just wrong. It's like, there's so many things about this that were wrong or whatever. And you hear people saying this across the country, different police officers, uh, whatever. But it's sad. I hope the city heals from it. Um, but I'm not the person who's going to sit here and say, I can't wait till Wednesday when the Grizzlies play again so I can get away from this. Because I don't think this is the time for that. And I, and I hate to hear people say that. Because it typically it's the people who don't really go through this anyway. You know, what I mean? it's not the ones who actually have to worry about being Tyree Nichols. It's, you know, it's, you know, the people who want, who are the escapists, you know what I mean? I don't think we need an escape. I think we need to heal and we need to deal with this um, head on. But that's about all I got, Jason, as far as. No, I mean, um, agree with everything you said. Well said. Uh, share so many of the same feelings mm -hmm. that you just, uh, that you just talked about. I think watching it on Friday you talked about being desensitized, but, but even with, and we are as a society with some of the things we've seen on video now, mm -hmm. but even, but even this was different. It felt like something saying that you'd see 
in Vietnam or in a war, in a war state, you know what I'm saying? Iraq or, you know what I'm saying? Where they're torturing a prisoner of war or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. It didn't seem like something you would see in the middle of a city, in, in the middle of America. Yeah. That, that, that was the first part. So, yeah. so, so there's a beating and how heinous it was. But then, and you touched on this, it's how long they let him well, sit there suffering, dying for 30 minutes. They're bumping fists. They're talking about the story. Uh, uh, a lot of it lies, clearly, because we had the chance to see the video of the stop. But, uh, um, you know, basically just talking it up, yucking it up like guys just yeah. on the time playing with this man's life. Yeah. Allowing him to die in front. And it wasn't just, to your point, five officers. It was uh, other officers who came by, checked him out, paramedics who came in. Looked, no sense of urgency, man. Didn't do anything, Saint. Didn't do anything for him. And, it, and if they're if they didn't operating on the lies of a of a corrupt five police officers on this Scorpion unit, mm-hmm. it, you know, then it, the reason we needed to see the video, you know, wasn't just to see, you know, basically our day's version of Rodney King and that beating and and how brutal police can get. But it was what happened afterwards in terms of not rendering aid and how some of these rogue cops are playing with folks lives out here. And yeah. the corruption that as a result of a few bad cops wanted to lie or whatever and put their story. You literally saw no one helping this man. Uh, folks yeah. whose job it is to help, to help this man yeah. could have wasted 30 minutes that he's sitting on the side of the car on the road, tilting over the pulling back up. That could have saved his life. They're right. playing with folks with folks' lives. Talking to him, asking him, "What's he on drugs? What you was on tonight, man? What you was on?" This guy, like, man, this I'm dude is dying in front of you. Lying about him reaching for the gun because now we've seen the stop. We know he didn't reach for anybody's gun. They were turned up on ten the moment they pulled him over for yeah. what was an illegal traffic stop in the first place. As right. they've admitted, he wasn't even reckless driving. And so, right. so we needed to see as, as as awful as it was, and as much as I feel for that family. And and the grace that his mother has shown is amazed as I've been by it. We yeah. needed to see it to realize, saying, "Man, we need to go to the drawing board with the whole police yeah. police reform." Oh, the whole damn thing. Blow the oh. thing up, bro. And I know they've disbanded the Scorpion unit and units. You know, we've seen across the nation that are like these that operate like they're above the law. But brother, you clearly saw it going above the unit to where uh, other officers paramedics are not responding because of what that unit's told them or what, right. you know, whatever they've come to believe they're not doing their job. So I'm with you that everybody out there that let that man die needs to face charges. I don't know the particular day or week that this happened, but we, the whole world watched that video on Friday night and it looked like, Oh man, this is horrible. This is the most inhumane, disgusting, uh, lack of compassion, this nasty, this is, this is this terrible video we're watching. And to those guys in that video, man, it looked like okay, it's Tuesday. It looked like this is just it looked like it's just something today. It, it didn't look like that was the first time they had a night they got that wild, man. Exactly. So, so how can you operate that fearlessly in operating illegally with body cams on? You don't just develop that mindset over to, in one night, saying to your point, that's right. culture. You've done that before, is my point. And and it's it's a damn shame that Tyree Nichols had to die. For us to see this, but you wonder how much footage there is on body cams, right? And maybe beatings of people that have survived, and maybe maybe at that point it becomes their word against the police's. And those, all. Do, those, you have, do you do you still have the footage then? You know, those so, body cams need to be available online. That footage needs to be available. Every police officer that is wearing one on some website where I can go and look any any time any time of day, any time of night, I should be able to go on those cams and watch anything those guys are doing. 
And if you don't like it, find another job. Because the, the job that those guys have is too important of a job for you to be that negligent in handling someone's life like that. Those, and, that footage should I'm be public. Every I'm night, it should be public. And and the, 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 the paramedics job or whoever it is that comes in, right, and has a job to do, but at times... Listen, you know, because I've heard this from some police officers. If we say that the scene is still active, well, there's no paramedics coming in. But but my point is that those paramedics need to be able to operate independently to where they're not depending on potentially the lies of a police officer who said, well, he reached for my gun or this mm -hmm. guy's on drugs. And then you decide not to go render aid, as it appears was the case in this case. You you th These folks have to be able to operate independently of that. You understand? Mm -hmm. Sure, don't you're not going into an active scene saying, but but if you're just relying on the information that could be coming from a bad cop, you're literally you're, you're literally wasting time that could be saving someone's life. You have not you're not doing your job, and so all of that has to be reviewed to me. Like the whole that, that whole process afterwards, where you had cops walking around the scene, paramedics doing nothing, all of that needs to be reviewed, man. Where there's some independence or somebody in there that would say either, look, this guy's had enough, or uh, some paramedics say, I don't care, you know, what he's on or what you're telling me about. This guy needs help right now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do my job, man. That wasn't even done out there. Yeah, for, for Tyree Nichols, it's, right. it's, it's what I was saying about what I was saying about the camera footage being available every night. That's kind of crazy. You can't do that because it's too much privacy to be. Because I don't want like a regular Joe getting pulled over. Like I can go. Let me see where Schmoe got pulled over for a ticket today. Like you know, there there are certain things that you probably couldn't do. But it's it should not be this level of freedom where guys just are just doing whatever, man, and there's no repercussion to it. Because it just makes you wonder how much of stuff is going on. Um, exactly. On a regular everyday basis that we don't see. It's obvious that them guys didn't look like they had any fear. Like this is something they never seen before for sure. Yeah. Um, there's no way to easily move forward mm -hmm. off of a, of a topic like that, but we're certainly thinking our thoughts and prayers, certainly with the family uh, of Tyree uh, Nichols. There's no question about that. Uh, moving on to our final episode of Grind Seat, excuse me, our final segment of this episode of Grind Seat. We have many more episodes to go, hopefully. Hopefully, if you all will continue to subscribe and listen, you can get us twice per week on the Odyssey app or on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Again, search for a Grind Season SZN. This is the part of the week where we tell you who brought the season, and that seasoning can be good seasoning you put in the pot, or it can be the bad stuff that's going to mess you up. Um, this week, saying we'll give it off to you first. Uh, who brought the season for you for this week for the uh, Grizzlies or, or elsewhere? I don't have a clever story. I don't have a clever analogy, a clever pun or anything, limerick or anything. I'm just going to get this one straightforward, uh, just like this person did. I think in, in uh, a lot of times when you realize you're making a mistake, sometimes you have to make that adjustment. But I think the person that made the ultimate adjustment over the last two games is Coach Taylor Jenkins. Um, getting mm -hmm. Jaron going early, we talked about that early in the show, uh, making it an emphasis to make the game simple, to make Jaron's game simple, getting them in the post, you know, then, then the three-point shots can't, got open for you playing him almost 40 games, getting away from the template a little bit and just going, just milking your two best guys. John Morant playing a ton of minutes, letting him just be awesome. You know, having your two best players be your two best players is simple basketball. I've seen it that my entire life. And I think uh, Coach Taylor Jenkins, I'm not going to expect much more of this because I think he's going to go back to what he's used to doing, especially when he gets some of his guys back. But I will give him props for over the course of these two games, making that adjustment and realizing, hey, I've got to get Jaron Jackson Jr. going. He's a walking mismatch. 
He can do everything on the court. He can block shots. He can defend. Let's get this man going. Let's feed 13. So I give the props. I give the seasoning to Coach Taylor Jenkins for bringing the season on the last since the last time we talked. Dig that. Uh, some season for Taylor Jenkins, first of, of the year. I'm going to give mine to a, a guy who could probably win a, a, an award every week. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, I don't know, if you go into any chicken house, any wings place in town, everybody's got mm-hmm. the staple. And that the staple is the lemon pepper. And you okay. get you <laughs> have, lemon pepper is going to always make it better. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's everywhere. And John Moran. You can sprinkle that lemon pepper on anything. On anything, and John Morant, call called it Zing. Just add some Zing to it. He was the fallback. He was the go-to. He was the lemon mm-hmm. pepper in that second half when he wasn't coming out, like we talked about. Played all twenty-four minutes of the second half of that win over Indiana. They needed it because they'd been down nineteen, turning what had been. You know, you would have looked at that game on the schedule, saying this ain't an important game at all. Um, clearly, coming off of a five-game losing streak, it was. You know, Taylor Jenkins, those guys put their foot down at halftime, and in Ja, in doing so, got his second consecutive. Triple doubles becoming a regular thing. This is fifth of the season at 27, 10, and 15 assists in that game. Uh, that's his ninth career regular season triple double, uh, notched a triple double in two straight games for the first time in his career, like we said, but it's only the second time in Grizz history. I don't know if you remember DeLon Wright crazily at the end of a year had him had one had two triple doubles on eight April 5th and April. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, John Morant, even through you know. Yeah, he's had some up and down, you know, that hadn't necessarily shot the ball well in all these games of late, but uh, he brought it, and for every minute that they needed it in this last one, I just give him the uh, the seasoning this week. He is the He's the lemon pepper, man. He's what you need. I, like I like that. I like he's, that. He's the go-to. He's the go-to. Like so that's going to do it for this week. Uh, that's tonight's episode. Appreciate you guys for joining us. Like I said, get us twice per week. We'll be on again, I believe, Friday. Um, yes, Friday of this week will be on again. So make sure you download us uh, on the free Odyssey app. Like we said, wherever you get your podcast, uh, that's tonight's show for Anthony Sane, for our producer, Drew Barrett. I'm Jason Smith. Remember, stay on your grind.